You're listening to Felony Podcast with your host, Dave Dahl, on the Startup Radio Network. The Felony Podcast explores ex-felons that have gone on to launch their own startups. We explore the ups, the downs, the behind-the-bar stories with these founders. Felony Podcast airs every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. My name is Mark Grimes, co-founder of Startup Radio Network. Also with us in the studio, Dave's partner in crime, Lad Justison. And here's a man with a plan, leader of the band, buff and tanned, Dave, the killer bread man, Dahl. Hey, welcome to Felony Inc. I'm your host, Dave Dahl, formerly of Dave's Killer Bread. I used to be with Dave's Killer Bread. I created Dave's Killer Bread, but I'm completely out of Dave's Killer Bread today. And actually, I'm more into the meat than the bread. Uh, with me in the studio here today is my little buddy and partner in crime, Lad Justison. Um, we have a special guest today, someone who um, has turned their life, has turned his life around in a way that uh, I'm not familiar with, but Lad has actually experienced a similar transformation in his life. Uh, what do you have to say about that, Lad? Well, you know, Dave, uh, before we get into our spectacular de- um, guest today, um, I know that uh, you're not in studio, so maybe we could let our listeners know why you're not in studio and the good time that you're having in sunny California. Well, I'm in L.A. I'm in Burbank, actually, and we're, we're, um, we went to Universal Studios yesterday, did that tour, did that little uh, sort of uh, Disneyland-type experience, and that was fun. Um, we've been here for a comedy for a comedy festival that kind of uh, got derailed a little bit, um, but we've had a lot of fun and we've seen some people that are down here in LA that I've always wanted to meet up with, and uh, you never know what might come of these uh, of these these moments. Well, it sounds like you're having a pretty good time down there. I, I sure wish I was there. Well, that's part of the reason why it's such a good time is you're <laughs> not here. Well, so, I, uh, I I kind of figured that. So what are you what have you been up to? Well, you know, uh, just uh, you know, trying to take care of business while you're gone, uh, taking care of uh, you know your African art, uh, discover African art uh, stuff. Uh, we've got some real cool stuff. Um, if uh, anybody out there wants to check out the website, it's discoverafricanart.com. Uh, scroll down, take a virtual tour of our facility, and uh, check it out. It's really cool. Yeah, that's a good idea. So anyway, get back to our guest today. The guest is Matt Allen with Sold Out Ministries. And that's sold out as in S-O-U-L-E-D, sold. Sold out ministries. Matt served some time at Snake River, which is in Malheur County, Oregon. And Snake River is also where Lad and I met back in... 78 was it? Like, <laughs> 1998. Oh, 1998. <laughs> uh, anyway, so it's all our alma mater as well. Uh, prison life often has a way of transforming people into, you know, with various things. Like uh, in, in this case, religion was the transformative uh, word. Um, many of these transformations 
seemed truly authentic and some not so much. But it seems to us here that Matt is one of those authentic transformations. You know, you know, Dave, also, as more and more people started learning about Matt's history of personal change, he found himself being asked to share his story with more and more crowds. He started feeling pulled further into a life of spirituality, and the ministry became a calling in the true sense of the phase. Welcome to the Felony Podcast, Matt Allen. How you doing, man? I'm doing good, thank you. Can you tell us a little bit about, um, say, start your story where you think it's important. Where where does it where does your story begin for well, us? Well, my story begins in uh, 2005. I went to Snake River, or 2005. I went to prison. Uh, my mother institution was OSP. I've been all over the place, but I spent most of my time out east at Snake River. Seven years into my prison sentence, something happened to me. Jesus touched my heart with his grace, and I've not been the same since, influencing me to dig deep and find out who he is and who I am in him. And like I said, since then, man, my life hasn't been the same. Fantastic. So what what happened with you at that point? What kinds of things did you start to do in order to become a better person? Well, it started first with... Uh, trying to figure out, like I said, who I was in Christ. So it took me a lot of time in Bible reading, prayer. I wanted to start going to church and started changing the people I associated with and try to meet people that were like-minded. That sounds good. That's exactly what has to be done. Um, you know, we, we have to, I believe, we have to begin our transformations and, you know, begin doing the right thing. Uh, preparing ourselves to be the right kinds of people, the right kind of people when we get out of prison. Um, so in your case, you how, how many years ahead of getting out did you begin to see, have a different outlook? Seven years into my 12-year sentence, uh, my transformation began. Okay, and so this was entirely um, a Bible influenced and, and God-influenced transformation, did you do any schooling of any sort? Uh, no, I, actually I didn't. Right now, I'm actually in school taking uh, studying theology, but at the mm -hmm. time I just met a lifer named Anthony Pickens who is still in prison for life, and he shared with me his testimony. He used to be gang-affiliated, went from black Islam to Christianity, and it really impacted me because I knew him before he was a believer. So to see him as a believer in Jesus Christ threw me off, which made me have questions, which then sparked my interest, which then sparked me to dig. You know, Dave, um, I'd like to, to ask Matt to go back a little bit further, you know, because we want to hear a little bit of the story, the lifestyle that he was living and, you know, what, what type of things, you know, he was doing, family-oriented, whatever. Yeah, that's important. That put him, that put him in, in prison, you know, to begin with. Yeah, that's important for our listeners. Can you help us with that, Matt? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's not a problem. Uh, you know, I'll just uh, tell my story a little bit then. Basically, you know, I grew up without a mom and dad in and out of foster home. Uh, finally ended up with my grandma at the age of five. So, you know, from a young age, I uh, had a lot of hurt, deep pains inside. I think a lot, a lot of people can re relate with that, broken home. Um, you know, I was poor, so it led me to search outside my home to try to be a man. 
I ended up obviously hanging out with the wrong people, being influenced by the wrong crowd, which led me to be gang-affiliated and making poor decisions that eventually led me to a 12-year sentence in prison. Yeah, and, and that's a kind of a, a common sort of uh, a commonality amongst a lot of prisoners, a lot of people who go to prison and choose a life of crime. Basically, um, there is no, there doesn't seem to be any other way. Uh, you grow up and you're poor and you look around and you see the people who have something and they tend to be, you know, they tend to be living a, a, an alternative lifestyle that's not, not healthy um, and contributes to a worse world rather than a better world. Um, what what happens? What is it, you know? In in those circumstances, like for me, I just didn't know any. I I thought I was stupid for one. I didn't think I was very bright. Thought I was like you know, I couldn't focus. I had ADD. Um, I you know I just couldn't concentrate and make anything happen. I couldn't stay on a good path because something always derailed me. Um, yeah. And I found, uh, you know, I found power in criminality sure. and drugs. So I'm thinking, you know, I mean, that's not exactly your story, probably, but it's very similar to your story. Yeah, and, it's, and, it's definitely easy to become a product of our environment. And when you don't yeah. know nothing better, like I didn't have, like I said, I didn't have a good role model or an example. So I didn't know nothing better. So I kind of grew up into this lifestyle. And like I said, I became a product of my environment. And I didn't know that what I was doing wasn't right. I didn't know, I didn't have a good example. Like, I know right from wrong, but when you're doing, living that lifestyle for so long, you kind of, for so long, you kind of become numb to what's really wrong in the sense. Correct. Yeah, I mean, you're right about that. Did you, uh, how old were you when you kind of slipped into that sort of lifestyle? 13? At the age of 11, I caught my first felony in Yuma, Arizona. At 14, I went to juvenile prison in Phoenix, Arizona. And you spent most of your teenage years in juvenile uh, detention? Yes, sir. And this was in Arizona? Yes, sir. And so eventually you get out of there and what happens? So I- How uh, were you at that point? I, I, I released from Eagle Point in Phoenix, Arizona in about, I think, 97. And I came out to Portland, Oregon and, you know, I tried to—my family thought, go live with your uncle, you know, new environment, new place, it, you'll, you'll do better. But I wasn't ready to change, and I didn't even know what change meant. So it doesn't matter. You can relocate all you want. If you're not ready to do right, you're not going to do right. That's the thing. Life is backwards, isn't it? I mean, <clears throat> you don't know that you can change, so you don't change. You don't know how to change. You don't, you know, you don't have perspective. We don't have the perspective until we've screwed up, and sometimes we screw up so much that we we die or, or whatever. We, we can't come back. There's just life can be backwards in such a way that um, we've messed our lives up too much by the time we figure it out to be able to do anything about it. Um, but in your case, you were able to do something about it. Well, we're all called differently, I believe, and you know God knew that I had to get the extended stay in prison to truly hit rock bottom. And yeah, that's right. 
I hear you. Adversity is such a um, springboard. It can be if we if we're open to the opportunities to change. You so, know, Dave. Um, he, he was talking yeah. about um, you know knowing the difference in change, and it makes me think about you know the time when you were uh, you know you had kind of given uh, you know you put the kite in and you had decided that you were going to change. Was that something for you too? You know, I, I know you know asking the host questions, but. You know, when, when you finally got on medication and your mind cleared up, was that a time when you finally realized the difference between the right and the wrong in your life? I began to. Um, it, yeah, now Vlad's interviewing me, little bastard. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, anyway, yeah, I did have that moment. Everybody has a different way. I, I realize to find their ways. You know, it, I don't judge um anyone's method i believe that uh if i see people transform from a bad seed to a good seed i'm i am impressed and i'm happy to see it uh i know the power of you know of having been there and then exponential in that um you know instead of out there contributing to a worse world we're contributing to a better world and that's that's like a two-person swing to begin with but the people that you influence and the people that you help to do the same thing wow that's amazing and, and have you been able to do that Matt? oh yeah most definitely since i've been out i've been out about five months now uh God's opened so many doors and given me so many opportunities to just share my message. It kind of amazes me sometimes. Sometimes I think just five months ago, I was walking the prison yard track at San Am going, what does my future look like? Am I really going to get out and do good and live for Jesus, or am I going to become a statistic? I know my heart, where my heart was, but I see all these people that would parole that I think, oh, I'll never see this dude again. Man, this dude's in chapel with me every day, Bible study, and the next thing you know, six months later, he's back. And I'm like, man, what happened? And, you know, mm-hmm. being separated from reality, because, you know, prison, as you know, is a subculture. It's not reality. That's and right. being stuck in that environment for over a decade, you kind of lose sense with, reali- with what the real world's like. You know, I didn't know what a smartphone was, internet, social media. This is all new, new territory for me. It's a new experience. So... I was kind of wondering. So, yeah, since I've been out, it's been amazing. You know, I've been had so many opportunities. Yesterday I was able to speak at a high school off Cornell Road in Hillsboro, Faith Bible. They asked me to come speak to the, the kids before their summer break. It was a true blessing. You sound like a humble man, and uh, I admire that. I respect that. Um, you have a higher power, and that's God. And... Uh, I appreciate that. I I don't know who my higher power is per se. I just know that I'm not the guy, right? Amen. Um, and I've been fortunate enough to tune into something, you know, that's beyond beyond me and beyond my comprehension. And I believe we're all, you know, we're we're all in the same boat in that way. It's just that we all see it differently. That's okay. Um, I, I I wanted to know. Like, how are you making a living at this point? That's a blessing. You- that's a blessing in itself, and another story of God's favor in my life. So, since I paroled, I paroled homeless with nothing, 
And uh, my, a lot of my family's passed away, my immediate family, since I've paroled. And since I'm not from Oregon, I don't have, I didn't have a lot of people. Well, I'd say the last three years of my set, I met a pastor in Portland from the Nazarene Church that started writing me. And we started visiting. I visited him like three times at San Diego before I paroled. And he picked me up and he drove me to my probation officer's house, or office. And I told my probation officer my story, you know, hey, I don't have nowhere to stay. Can I go into, like, an Oxford house or something? And he was like, we can't help you. And I was like, excuse me? He's like, yeah, I can't help you because you're not a drug addict. You're not a high-profile gang member. So basically he said, good luck. There's some shelters. Be careful. Here's a bus ticket. And I was like, I was like you've got to be kidding me. So I went out and told this my ride, my pastor friend. He's like, so what house am I taking you to? And I was like, well, I don't really have a, I don't really have a place to go. And he's like, what? He's like, well, what are you going to do? I was like, well, just drop me off at the shelter downtown, Salvation Army or something. I'll figure it out. You know, God is with me. And he's like, absolutely not. This is December 20th, 2017, five days before Christmas. This pastor that I barely knew through some letters took me home, adopted me, bought me every clo- all my clothes, just took me to his Christmas get-together. Sixty people in his family showed up. I mean, involved me with everything. From that point, his son, who's a pastor of Calvary Chapel Woodland, gave me a car blessed me with a car, uh, took care of my insurance. You know, I've got my license. And then I met this other pastor of the church I'm at right now, uh, Faith uh, Bible Believers Baptist Church in Hillsborough by the airport. This pastor gave me an apartment that I do not pay rent for. He covers my rent for me. And uh, I work for him at a construction company about 20 hours a week, and I go to school to study theology. So God has blessed me more than I could ever imagine. Where do you go to school for theology at? Right now, I'm currently doing my prerequisites at PCC in Rock Creek. Uh, I contacted Multnomah University Bible College, and they suggested that it would be cheaper if I go to Portland Community College to do my prereqs and transfer over. So right now, I'm doing intro into the New Testament at Portland Community College. Well, this is a very real story. Um, This is how, how it's done. I mean, you do what you have to do to get it done i mean you you do 20 hours of work in the construction um so that that basically and you also probably get some sort of assistance for schooling or yes i i do get financial aid and some small loans as well great so this is this is a solid way to re-enter um, I did leave out a major something. I'm sorry, Dave. I don't mean to interrupt. But I want to point no, out something that's, that's huge that I, you know, want people to know that when you're doing when you're doing right. And for me, you know, my personal belief and what I know is true is when we're faithful, God's faithful. And you know, even the Bible says in Corinthians, when we're not faithful, He's still faithful. He cannot deny Himself. And I say that to say this is I also got married three weeks ago. So <laughs> I, uh, you know, I've been out five months. I have a car that was blessed, given to me. I have insurance that I don't pay for. I have an apartment. I have a job. I have a wife that I've known 90 days who's a woman of God. She's a corrections officer in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Wow. I mean, I'm just truly blessed, highly favored. Her name's Angela Allen. She's awesome. Fantastic, wow. man. I love it. Now, does that mean you have kids too? Or, I mean, I know you didn't have any with with her, but maybe she had some kids or you yes. had some kids. So I have a 12-year-old son who's mine with his mother, Kristen, but she also has three beautiful kids that are now mine. I'm going to adopt one of them, but they're all mine. Adonai, that's the youngest. She's three. I'm going to adopt her. She's going to be an Allen soon. 
And then I have my dear son who's 16, Joshua. And then I have my other dear son, I, uh, Josiah. Fantastic. Yeah, I love it. Uh, kids are amazing. They're a blessing. I'm, I'm, I'm learning that myself. You know, <laughs> slowly but surely I have. Two, two daughters and three granddaughters, and I wasn't there much for my, my daughters because I was in prison, you know. I can relate. Uh, but I did have, but I, I do have the opportunity to be with my granddaughters, so I'm Praise looking forward God. to that. I, I know how that is. Um, Lad, I'm going to pass it to you, brother. Well, you know, um, since I got mad here, you know, I don't get to talk about this kind of stuff too often, but um, one of my um, favorite um, chapters in the Bible is Philemon. Are you familiar with Philemon? Very familiar. <clears throat> and what happens to, to uh, Philemon is that Paul, one of the major characters in the Bible, wrote a bunch of books in the Bible. He um, knew Philemon Runaway and slave. had brought his family to, you know, to the Christianity. And so Philemon had this servant that worked for him. His name was Onesimus. Mm-hmm. And Onesimus, it doesn't really say in the Bible exactly what he did. I assume he probably stole some stuff from Philemon. He was a servant of Philemon. But he took off, and then he got arrested in another town and was put in jail. Well, fortunately, when he was in jail, Paul had been falsely accused, and he was in jail. So Philemon got to meet Paul in jail, and then there was a transformation made there. And so uh, when Paul was in prison, he wrote a letter to Philemon, and that's the letter in the, in the, in the Bible, asking Philemon to forgive <coughs> Onesimus for his sins because he had seen the transformation in him. And then he not only asked him to forgive him, but he asked him to accept him back, and not back as a servant, but back as part of his family. A brother. As a brother. So, you know, I know this is kind of loosely tied, Dave, but when I had started going to church in prison and changed my life around, and I met you, the character change in me that you saw is kind of like Philemon, because when I got out of prison, you'd already gotten out and started your business, and I was able to come up and interview with your brother because you gave him a recommendation that I was had changed my life around. It's the same kind of thing as Philemon, because Paul had seen this change in Onesimus and gave him a recommendation. And so your recommendation to your brother was, you know, was was a changing point in my life. So I got to thank you for that. And I know that Matt understands that that chapter. Praise and God. I'm sure that he lives that as well. Amen. That's pretty cool. I never heard that before. Um, and I I grew up um, studying the Bible. I don't know if Matt knows this, but I went to Seventh Day Adventist schools and uh, church. I was a um, I grew up in a very religious home. Um, for me, it was it was something that I had to rebel against. It was just it, I needed to go out and find my own way in life. And uh, sure. So, so I knew I know a lot of Bible stories, and I appreciate a lot of Bible stories, uh, you know, as as an adult now. Um, but I really was like, this is this ain't this ain't cool, you know, as a kid. Um, so anyway, uh, really the, the same principles. I believe the same principles uh, 
matter for everyone, you know, Christian, Muslim, uh, or any other religion, and those of us who basically don't identify with any religion. Um, I do believe in spiritual. To me, spiritual principles are such as, such things as uh, I didn't have anything to offer anyone until I did. And you talk about um, the struggles of, of your life and how that contributes to being able to help others. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, you know, that's one thing I tell people, like, that's, I'm glad you brought up the word struggle because that's important. I gave a test. I told talked to that at high school yesterday, Christian high school, and a lot of those kids were looking at me like, okay, I've never been to prison. I have my mom and dad. I don't relate with this dude. Who is this guy? Like, that's a cool story. It's awesome transformation. Wow. But, yeah, I can't relate. So what I had to remind them as I'm looking over the crowd going, uh-oh, I might have lost them. I'd remind them that we all relate with this. Everybody in this world, I don't care if you're a Christian or not, we relate with struggle. And your struggles are just as real for you as my struggles are real for me. So that's our commonality is that we can relate with the struggle. You know what I mean? I have to, uh, and our struggles are different, but like I said, they're just as real for you as mine are real for me. And so we can relate on that point. Yeah, and the, the cool thing about this is, um, you know, we don't go out looking for we don't go out looking for adversity, uh, but those of us who have who have experienced that adversity, you know, that's a gift in its in its own way, because that adversity teaches us things that we can teach others. Sure. Um, I'd like to talk to you about a little bit more about. Uh, you know your transformation in prison, the kind of activities that you were in, that you uh, that you involved yourself in. What what did you do? What was a, a typical day like? Well, it's funny. You know, I, I that's where I got grounded was at Snake River in 2000, two, 2000 between two thousand twelve two thousand fourteen. So um, you know, my typical day there, I became a part of Bless for Real. It's a Christian hip hop group there that Chaplain Toth led. Uh, on three side, I remember that dude. Anyway, go ahead. And uh, you know, also I met Anthony Pickens. Like I said, he was a lifer, also a Christian. He started ministering to me, sharing the gospel message with me, and invited me to a Bible study. Once I went to the Bible study and we started digging deep, he you know said, "Hey, we do this Christian hip hop group," and I'm like, "Yeah, no offense, brother, but uh, I'm white and it's probably not going to work." And uh, he was like, "Nah, man." It's, just check it out. See, you know, I, I know you write some poetry or whatever. Long story short, I became a part of that and, uh, you know, started sharing, you know, my message through music. Um, I don't do that currently. That's not where God has me. God has me just telling my story. But, uh, yeah, that's what I do in prison. I'd wake up in the morning, start off with prayer and Bible study. I believe that's a good way to start my day. You know, I get fed. I start off on the right track. And uh, throughout the day, you know, I do multiple Bible studies with people and just, you know, try to not just talk the talk, but walk the walk. You know, so many people, as you know, in prison, put on masks and hide behind things. And I didn't want to be that guy. I wanted my actions to speak louder than my words. And, uh, you know, not only for people, but for God, you know, I want to be a positive representation and reflection of Jesus in me. Hey, you know, Dave? Um, I got to go to a little bit of a, 
an advertising break here. So, uh, CPA Dudes, where accounting is never boring. Their price is not based on time. Instead, customers decide what to pay them. They don't charge you for sending invoices, phone calls, emails, texts, or meetings. They just get the damn job done. Find them at cpadudes.com slash startup radio. Oh, was that good? How was that? That, boy, <laughs> that was the most boring thing ever. That's true, but it's so the. Uh, it always blows me away to hear that they they don't charge you for sending invoices, phone calls, emails, texts, meetings. What do they charge you for? <laughs> Basically, it sounded like you were dealing with. Okay, Tend to be in their, they want to be in their comfort zone. That's where we want to be most of the time. But in order to grow, we have to get outside of our comfort zone to move forward. Right, I agree. It, it sounded to me like what you were dealing with there when you went into that studio was you had to get out of your comfort zone. Right. Um, now, can you think of any other times where you had to do that? Most definitely. You know, uh, you're right, though. A lot of times we get stuck into a rut, our comfort zone, and we want to just stay where we're at. And I think that's a problem for not only non-Christians, but Christians as well. You know, we don't go outside of our comfort zones. We don't want to talk to people we don't want that we don't know. We just want to Bible study with the same people, go to church with the same people, hang out with the same people. Now, before you, before I became a believer, I just wanted to hang out with my homies, put in work with my homies, stay with my ho- and I didn't go outside that comfort zone. So it works on both sides of that fence. So you're right. And yes, since I've been out, I've been, I, uh, when I went to visit Albuquerque to get married, I visited a church with some dear friends of mine that I've known from when I was a, when I was a kid, and I ended up preaching at the church, sharing my testimony, something that I did not expect to happen. And that was another time that my armpits started sweating, my chest started sweating, because I had to stand up in front of a congregation that I wasn't familiar with, and it was definitely, uh, it ended up being a blessing, but I was very nervous. Well, people, um, if, you're, if you're sincere and real, people can relate to, you know, the, the stress or the understanding of how hard it is to get up in front of people and to, to be put in, a, um, put in a position of leadership. Uh, and sounds to me like uh, that's something you're working on, and it's to be commended. Thank you. Right, Dave, and, you know, I'd like to ask him, um, you know, Matt, when when you were going through this change, and you know, in prison, and uh, you were studying the Bible and you were doing all these things to, you know, to, to change your life around, I know it's hard to split from that pack of people, like you're saying, the mm-hmm. comfort zone. So what was that like, and what were your friends saying, and, and, and were they encouraging, or were they, you know, were they kind of the opposite, or, you know, how were they reacting to you taking a different path than what you're normally doing? Well, I mean, I think you both, uh, Dave, and you both know that, you know, sometimes it's frowned upon when you step away from an organization, especially in prison. And I did get a lot of love from some, but a lot of people did frown upon it. And weren't encouraging because they want you to be stuck on stupid with them, you know. Misery loves yeah. company, and right. uh, but it it was a it was a challenge a lot of times because you know I'm still I'm still in that environment. You know, we get caught up 
wanting to save face or not wanting to look like a punk or whatever you want to call it. And, uh, you know, it took me a process. It was real humbling. I need to experience that experience, I believe. And I think we all should be humbled in that way. Maybe not in that exact manner, but I think it's humbling when you finally hit the point to where I just don't care what people think. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. It's going to be for the betterment of everyone around me. And once people saw that I was serious and that I took what I was doing serious and it wasn't just a phase and I wasn't just hiding behind it, once they saw that I was real, people respected it. Real recognized real. You guys know that. And when they saw that I was doing the truth, they were like, all right, we might not agree with it, but we see that you're all in. Like, hey, I, I salute you. You know, that's a great point. It's one of the, it's it's another common um, principle that absolutely is essential for change, for transformation. I believe, this is what I believe. Um, One of those is adversity, which you you had to experience. Um, And adversity is probably what led you to the necessity to, to find a way to get out of it and to transform for the future. Um, You did that. uh, What you ended up doing is you said, fuck everybody who, you know, screw all the, uh, the haters, the, the ones that, you know, are stuck on stupid, as you say, and want you to be there too. Um, When you become someone who is his own person uh, and just, doesn't need other people's the peer pressure becomes a for the most part a non-factor anymore mm. um, when when you can it's, that's leadership that's uh, individuality that's strength and growth and it's humility right uh, and those are powerful things for all of us to to realize it's like we're so stuck on thinking people, other people, what they, what they say is yeah. what matters. We let like them, we, don't, we let them dictate our identity. That's the problem. We lose our identity in what people think of us, the latest fashions, trends, likes, dislikes on social media. We get so caught up in what people think and they become our identity. They create the identity that we live. It's not even us anymore. It's them. Yeah. Well, sometimes we have to fake it before we make it. Uh, because what, what are we going to do? I mean, we have to start somewhere. Sometimes for me, for me anyway, I had to be this guy and be that guy for many, many years before I could, you know, find my, myself. Me too. Uh, And, and those experiences of, of trying to be like somebody else or be part of something that, maybe isn't that great maybe is not good at all um that's just part of our our you know what makes us who we are sure we we can't just we can't just have nothing in our lives so um you know i remember when i was 17 i was talking to a friend yesterday about this i was 17 and i wanted to be a musician i didn't really care about being rich and (laughs) making money i just wanted to be able to make a living playing music and uh, the thing was i i could write a song by the time i was 17 i could write the music to a song no problem but lyrics i was like what do i have to write about you know um and that was what kind of that sort of thinking is what led me to going out and creating my own story 
um, sure. you create your story in life. And, you know, part of your story could be being a knucklehead for 20 years, like me. Sure. And, and for you, uh, it's probably the same thing. How old are you? Uh, I'm about to be 35. Yes, yeah. You know, you've you've learned a lot more than I did by the time. I was 38 when I had my the beginning of my transformation. Um, by the time, six years later, I'd started Dave's Killer Bread. Uh, it was already... It was already going on um, because of that transformation. None, none of it would have happened without uh, realizing that I was just as good. Uh, you know, I was I was a valid person. I wasn't any better than anyone else, and I was no worse. Praise um, God. That's that was just my mentality. Is like, okay, everybody is equal in a sense. Uh, in in the the very humanity of us it, we're all equal in that way and we all have the potential to do um pretty amazing things in our lives but sometimes i believe it's just doing the next right thing and then the next right thing and then the next right thing uh there's these are these are principles that everyone can embrace sure most Don't definitely most definitely we have to make yeah. right decisions and we have to try to, you know, real quick on the identity thing. You know, we all have lost ourselves in the identity and had an identity crisis, so to speak. But that doesn't have to define us. You know, a lot of times we get we stay in that. Like You didn't stay in it. Yeah, that's your past. But look at who you are today. Your past doesn't define who you are. It's built you into the person you are, but it doesn't define you. And I say the same about myself. And, you know, Dave, yeah. um, um, I'm always interested um and, you know, when there is a transformation, you know, that Matt has, that you have, you know, I, I always like to, to know the, the effect that it has on the family members, uh, on the people around him. You know, I know that when you were in there and you, you trans, you know, your transformation took place, were you able to pull some of your other friends in, into what you were doing? How, how did that go? Oh, yeah. I, uh, I continued to witness people and just, you know, in prison, people don't want to be hit, beat up with the Bible. So you got to kind of love people where they're at. And understand, you know, you know, and not everybody's going to just jump right into it. Some people do. Some people don't. So I made a point to, you know, just like I said earlier, I just try to walk the walk. Because I believe when people see a change in you, like the brother just said about you, Dave, you know, he saw a change in you. You saw a change in him. When you witness this change, sometimes you don't really pay attention to the source, but you see the change. And it causes other, it, it influences people. Just like negative peer pressure influences you, positive peer pressure can influence you just as well. Yes, I think uh, the positive stuff is kind of surprising to a lot of people. When you see a true positive role model, it is. Um, it has been for me so inspiring. I, um, when I got out of prison myself, in the early days, and I was making Dave's Killer Bread, but nobody really, it was just a very small number of people who knew about it. And, uh, but I was enjoying, if you will, the fellowship with all the different doctors, lawyers, and judges, and, you know, all these great people that I never would have met um, if I hadn't transformed. Um, and, I remember that fellowship and just how much I loved handing a loaf of bread over to 
to a customer who was had a big smile on their face and was so happy to meet me, and I was so happy to meet them. Um, and so I I had to I had to use social media when social media was available. I I latched onto it first. It was MySpace, and I got in MySpace, and you know got some followers or got some you know friends or whatever you call them and um, and it was a lot of fun but this lady one time contacted me on MySpace and she was uh, she was like very sweet she said you are an inspiration to me your your adversity and your overcoming of adversity and starting this business or starting this brand making this bread that I love. She was like, I love it. I love your bread and I love your story and it inspires me. So I'm like, who's this lady? This is a really nice thing she's saying. And I, I, I looked her up and she was this uh, quadriplegic who um, paints with her teeth. Mm. <laughs> I'm like this, I inspire this lady. I inspire this wonderful, you know, this person who really is an inspiration. Wow. Um, you know, because, you know, I'm not sure I could even, I'm not sure I, I know I would have to, right? And I would look at her, I would look at her, her example. If I was in her shoes, I'd be, okay, wait a minute. Um, I, this is terrible. This is horrible, what happened to me, but um, I'm going to make the most of it. And that's, you know, when we see people that do that, it is... It, it can help us with our own with our, with our own um, journeys. Most definitely, uh, and that's that's what you are. You're you're an example of someone who has made the most of of uh, a bad thing. I uh, I I try to be an inspiration the best I can. I actually still, to this day, uh, people from prison call me. I accept their calls and I try to encourage them. A lot of them are from the old organization that I was a part of. Some of them have stepped away from it th away from it themselves, but I always try to encourage them and let them know like there's hope. You don't gotta be stuck in that. Like don't listen to the hype of everybody in there and don't pay attention to what other people are doing. Focus on what you're doing. If you put your all into it and you're sincere and genuine, I believe you can make it. It's so many times that we get caught up on the self doubt or we let the fear of the unknown consume us and it holds us back. If you just believe it's gonna work, and for me. And I, for me, I just put my trust in God, and I, 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 I came out swinging and just put my faith in that. And it's, like I said, it's been a blessing for me. But if you don't have faith like that, you need to just step out and put your best foot forward. And like you said earlier, Dave, just keep doing the next right thing, and uh, it'll all work itself out. Yeah, that's it. And can I go to a break now? Is this the time? Or what Yeah, do you that's say, great. Alan? Go ahead. Okay, pork bun domains, websites, and internet commerce for the rest of us. Don't be a goddamn pig. <laughs> pork bun, where you can get website domain names for your business or personal brand with the lowest prices and amazing free services. Wow, Dave, you're, you're starting to, to really work it out. Good job. <laughs> Shut up. Yeah, Shut up. everyone's heard of .com, .net, or .org. But did you know you can get a domain name that matches what your startup does? If you are a design entrepreneur, you could get a dot .design domain name. Use dot .design? Your, hmm? 
Dot design. Dot design <laughs> domain name. Exactly. Yep. Use your imagination and contact them at porkbun.com slash startup radio slash Dave Doll slash weirdo. Lads and lazy asshole dot com. Like <laughs> or dot design. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So yeah, I think we're we're talking what I what I think is the coolest thing about our discussion today is that the same principles apply um, to everyone who wants to transform, who wants to make, who wants, you know, nothing's easy about transforming. Nothing's easy about the adversity that we go through, the struggles that we go through. Even after we begin to, even after we start seeing the light, if you will, um, we still struggle. It's still, you know, to this day, I have things I have to deal with. I have most definitely. And, um, you know, Money doesn't solve our problems. No. In fact, money, in my case, has often created new ones. <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, I got to admit, for the most part, it's it's good problems. Yeah, I, I uh, wish I had your problems. <laughs> yeah, right. Tell you what, dude, you'd be the you'd be the biggest mess in the world if you had my problems. <laughs> <laughs> what would I do with all that money? Shudder to think. Oh, hmm. Yeah, what would you do with that? I want to hear what you would do with it, lad. What I would do with it? No, don't lie. Don't say you would save the world, and you know. I want to hear you're going to tie the at least ten percent, lad. I would. Yeah. <laughs> That's the first thing I would do. I would tie it to myself ten percent. Oh no. Oh, see, now nah, that shows. That shows the real lad. He'd start his own church. <laughs> Paying himself out for some reason. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, man, but so yeah, I'm not sure. But first thing that would happen is I'd get away. I know that. Well, yeah, and I wouldn't. I wouldn't pay you back. That's okay. I, I I tell you what. If I had all the money you have, I would give you half of the money that I have. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Bull. Crap, dude. Uh, nice, nice try. <laughs> <laughs> nice one. Nice. Um, uh, yeah. I already gave you way more money than you deserve. How much do I deserve? What what is what is would be an average uh, sounding yeah. put a number minimum on minimum wage. I would pay minimum wage and you would work forty hours for free. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so anyway. Uh <laughs> <laughs> uh, so where were we? Come on, lad. Well, we're we're back with Matt in the studio now that you've been goofing off, you know, for the last five minutes. But um, you know, there's there's a lot of things uh, I'm sure that Matt's uh, got on his plate to look forward to. Um, is there any other things that you're going to be doing here in the future? Any any uh, websites or anything that people can go to to, to find oh, out yeah. a little bit more about you? Yeah, most definitely. Uh, you know, I obviously have my regular Facebook page, Matthew Allen. Uh, if you put Matthew Allen Portland, it shows right up. I'm at the top of the list. Also, my ministry page is Sold Out Ministries, S-O-U-L-E-D-Out-O-U-T, Ministries. And, you know, the focus of my ministry is a lot of what we've been talking about, you know, uh, the focus of my ministry is I want to go back into those neighborhoods and areas that people don't want to go to and that people just wrote off and said, yeah, those dudes are hopeless. 
and I want to go back and witness to the homies. And so my whole point of starting this ministry is I'm going to go to the places that people don't want to go to, that people blacklisted. And I'm going to show them there's hope, you know, and that hope is in Jesus. And, you know, I'm they're going to recognize the real recognize real. They're going to recognize the truth in me. And since I come to that from that environment and I understand that way of thinking and those thinking errors, I believe I'm going to be able to relate with most. And uh, those I can't relate with, I can educate. Cover that. Okay, now, did you get all your plugs in? Because I want to make sure you get all your all your plugs in before I ask any more questions. Did you, you is there anything, anything else you want to plug? Do you have anything coming up, any interviews you're going to be on TV or oh, you know, whatever? Yeah, uh, here, here in the next, either the next week or two, I'll be, uh, I was asked to speak at Calvary Chapel Woodland as a guest speaker to tell my story. Um, when I go back to Albuquerque, New Mexico, I will be speaking at Calvary Chapel Berlin with Pastor Ray. He's asked me to come speak at his men's Bible study, and uh, I'm open to speak at other places if people ask me, but those are the two that really stand out to me. Oh, June 2nd, uh, the Northwest Men's Breakfast for Calvary Chapel. You can look it up online. I'll be speaking there, too, to a lot of those brothers and brothers in Christ. Um, God is moving. Fantastic. Hey, uh, Alon, how many more minutes do we have? Uh, Dave, you know exactly what you're doing. We're at five. We got, I got a few minutes left? Five, five big minutes. Okay, that's what I thought. Okay, so I wanted to, you know what? You said something really that I want to expand on just a little bit there, Matt. Um, you mentioned thinking errors. I know these things are like, to you probably, probably like you don't even really think about it anymore. But, but when you, you know, thinking errors are really, really crucial to, to change. Mm. You have to recognize, we have to recognize the errors that we make every time. I and mean, we're, we're like hardwired for some thinking errors, I, I think, I think you can short circuit these thinking errors once you recognize that they exist. Mm. Uh, can you expand a little bit on that for us? Well, we all know habits are easier to make than break. That's right. And uh, you know, in order to break a habit, you have to recognize that there's a problem. And if you don't recognize the problem, then you're not going to be able to fix it. And you yep. know, I suggest personally, and this is what's worked for me is. You know, my faith. I put my faith in God. Once I started reading the Bible, I realized I had a lot of things twisted. And even if you don't even believe in God or Jesus and you just read the Bible, it's going to teach you how to be a good person at the end of the day. It's going to give you things that will morally make you right. And, Can you give uh, us any examples, uh, at least one? What's your, your biggest example of a thinking error my biggest that you've worked on? That I've changed? Mm -hmm. Um. A thinking error that I changed is being prideful. It's so easy to be consumed with self, and that's the thinking error, right? Because if I get too cons consumed with self, then I lose focus of other people's feelings and those around me, which affects family, friends, jobs. Because people reckon no one wants to be around some, you know, prideful prick. They don't want to do right. it. So you've been, um, you've learned to to embrace humility, I believe. I see that in you. Um, and humility is kind of the opposite of pride in, this, in the sense of pride being a bad 
a bad thing. Pride is not always a bad thing because, as we know, I mean, it's good to be proud of. It's okay to be proud of good things that you've done. But uh, yeah, there's a righteous pride. There's such thing as righteous pride. Right there, pride. you go. Mm-hmm. And but but a lot of times we're just it's false pride, uh, right? That we have, and you know, the, it's a thinking error, totally is. And um, I I wish we had actually talked a little bit more about thinking errors because they um, they really are a huge factor. But I'm sure that if you go and see Todd where wherever he's at, he will discuss these sorts of things and how. He was able to overcome some of these thinking errors. Mm. Um, you can always have me on again in the future, Dave, and we can talk about thinking errors. I'm always absolutely, open. Absolutely, man. Yeah, I appreciate the, I appreciate that. We will definitely come to that point in, in a little bit of time. We, it would be fantastic to have you back on the show. Especially once yeah. his ministry gets off and kicking and, uh, you know, God does what he does best and continues to show me favor. There you go, buddy. All right. Well, it's been really great talking to to our man, Matt, today. And I want to thank you for joining us on the Felony Inc. podcast. Thank you. You bet. I'm Dave Dahl. And uh, again, Matt Allen is with Sold Out Industries. And sold is spelled S-O-U-L-E-D. Now, that's soldoutministries.com? It's just Sold Out Ministries on Facebook. If you type in sold, S-O-U-L-E-D, dash, out, O-U-T, ministries, you'll find me. Fantastic. Now join us each and every week live at 10 a.m. Pacific time at startupradionetwork.com. If you don't join us live, we may visit your house late at night when you're (laughs) least expecting it and make you listen. Breaking and entering lad's ass, this will be full-on breaking and listening. Ouch. And coming up after the break is Latino Founder Hour with your host, Edgar Navis and Claudia Cardenas. Their podcast is usually in Spanish. So, parte parga algo darvito tido. And I don't think I got that right, but. Preparate. What is that? How do you say that? Preparate. I'm going to have to ask. algo divertido. I'm going to have to ask them when they show up. <laughs> Boy, we just butchered the heck out of that, didn't yes, we? Yes, we did. <laughs> I'm, I'm, pretty Thanks, sure you, I'm pretty sure you guys were set up, actually. <laughs> yeah, we were set up. Why did they do that to us? That is mean. Well, Dave, have a good time up there, man. Nice to meet All you, right, Dave. Buddy. Thanks. Yeah, it's nice to meet you, Matt. Take care and good luck to you. All right. Blessings. You're listening to Felony Podcast with your host, Dave Dahl, on the Startup Radio Network. The Felony Podcast explores ex-felons that have gone on to launch their own startups. We explore the ups, the downs, the behind-the-bar stories with these founders. Felony Podcast airs every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. My name is Mark Grimes, co-founder of Startup Radio Network. Also with us in the studio, Dave's partner in crime, Lad Justison.